Hello, I'm Hazel, and this week on the Porty Podcast, I'm chatting with the man behind the Porty Comedy Night, Stephen Davidson. I wanted to find out a bit about how comedy is changing and what makes the people of Porty laugh. I grew up in Portobello in West Bryan Crescent beside Rosefield Park, so I, I know Porty really well. But for a period of my life, I was living in New Zealand. I run a gig in this place called Plymouth, which was a small community, quite smaller, but similar to Porty. And people just loved the idea of being able to just walk to the venue and have a night out and then walk home instead of having to go to, to, go to town. Do you think that there's a particular character to the Portobello community when you're booking comedians? Do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think anything that's really controversial and offensive doesn't go down well unless it's done to an incredibly high level of skill. You know, so people like, you know, Frankie Boyle and Jimmy Carr divide opinion, but are hugely successful. You have to be really, really funny with your controversial material to get away with it. And some people haven't quite managed to get away with it at the Porty Comedy Night. You know, people don't shout out or boo or criticise generally in the Porty crowd. They just sit in a deadly tumbleweed silence. I've had comedians as well who've got really good stage presence and yet no jokes. People, some people don't want to risk jokes, you know, because you have to leave a pause where folk are supposed to laugh. That's the real pressure of doing comedy as opposed to just rambling on. What's the art of putting together the night then? What do you think about? Well, you need a strong MC because the MCs seeing the crowd stone cold sober usually or, or reasonably sober. But in general, yeah, I'll pay the opener and the headliner the most cash because, yeah, they're the best. And then I'll put the newer comedians and the up-and-coming acts in the middle. We often get the opener from the stand, who is put on unbilled. So the stand don't mind you. There are comedians doing gigs elsewhere, as long as you're not using them to promote the gig. So I'll get their headliner just to make the gig stronger. So they'll do the tricky opening spot, and then there's a break. People drink more booze. And then in the middle part, uh, we even have a slightly, very slightly eccentric Portobello Poet Laureate, called Colin Bell, who appears. He deserves a mention because he's so bad he's good at times. Um, <laughs> is he going to enjoy that review? <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. I give him such a bad build-up from the stage that he can't really do anything but succeed in a small way because the crowd are with him by the time he gets on stage because I give him such abuse. So I tend to stick him in between two up-and-coming comedians or guys trying out newer material. Uh-huh. But I think, you know, we're at a point where, you know, people are paying £14 for a ticket. I maybe don't take the risks I used to do when it was £10 a ticket. And do you think that comedy has changed over the last, well, I suppose over the time that you've been doing it, that would be an interesting question, but also just the last couple of years while people have not been going out as much. I mean, I didn't do any online gigs at all. The slight delay on YouTube is hard. You know, the the delay and then the laugh and then normally as a comedian you'd wait until they'd finish laughing but if you wait too long you know it just for me online comedy just doesn't work funny sketches I think work but straight stand-up for me online needs a live audience in the old days folk would make jokes about tv programs like EastEnders or whatever because there was only four channels and almost everyone would have watched it or the majority of your crowd would know who Dirty Den and Angie were but these days, you know, if you reference a TV programme or something from Netflix, there's just no guarantee that, you know, you, maybe 20% of your audience have watched that. And out of that 
you know, that's already quite a small proportion of laughs available to you. And if you don't get all 20% of those guys to laugh at your joke about the Netflix series that you're making, you know, it's a very small laugh you're left with. Whereas if you make a joke about bagels or you make a joke about, you know, walking the dog or riding the bike or growing up, then you've got 100% of the laughs available in the crowd. You know, and if you lose a few, if not everyone thinks it's funny, that's okay because you've still got 70 out of 100 people to laugh. So the more niche your gags, the more difficult it is. There used to be quite a lot of drink and quite a lot of kind of almost like masculine, competitive attitudes. And I'm just wondering if that's something that's changing and evolving, if you're seeing that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've gone from 70s comedy, you know, quite offensive, racist, misogynistic, sexist comedy to the world of PC right on Ben Elton style comedy to a reaction against that from controversial comedians who their whole ethos is saying things that are on the edge of what's acceptable to say, but in a funny way, in that with the argument that, you know, it's just a joke and that's all you need to do, to a reaction against them from the what people would describe as the sort of woke community saying that it's just gone too far. People are being cancelled for saying things controversial that would have just been looked on as a joke in the old days. But there's lots of different levels to it. You know, there's, there's a lot more people to offend out there than there used to be. And I think the offence comes immediately through, you know, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and everywhere, as opposed to, you know, someone might have written to the newspaper about it in the old days. And then you might have heard about it two weeks later. And I think people like being offended as well. You know, people like complaining about stuff on Twitter. People like raging. So any chance for them to do that, I think they take. It's a fine line to tread as to what comedians can joke about anymore. You know, it's always been about don't punch down, you know, so you don't make jokes about vulnerable people and you don't. But I think it's, yeah, it's an absolute minefield these days, really, what you can joke about. I saw the other day a really beautiful Josie Long gig that she did in her garden for her neighbours during lockdown. And it was just so cosy and it was just really kind. And I still, I find it really funny, but that atmosphere was just so different from what I normally associate with comedy. Yeah. And I really liked that. I think there's a lot of... There's a lot more female acts on bills all across Scotland and the UK and the world now. There's more female comedians. There was a time, I think, when you know people would often complain to me that there wasn't a female comedian on the bill. There just weren't that many female comedians. The only thing I used to book people from is being funny, but now I'll always try to have a female act on the bill as well because there's a lot more to choose from and there's a lot more funny acts available. I suppose that the reason that there's more funny women is because they've felt more welcome into that industry because there has been women on the bill. It's a cycle, isn't it? Yeah, I think probably just the whole experience is more comfortable for them from the the crowd to the other comedians around them. That's assuming it's just male and female comedians as well. And yeah, absolutely. All, gender, absolutely. all gendered comedians. Welcome. Yeah, but that, that, that could be the next criticism. I don't book enough transgender comedians, but then my argument to that will be I will if someone shows me some funny transgender comedians who I think will fit into my gig then brilliant get them on you know we, we have lots of comedians yeah all the, the only criteria I have is whether people are funny or not. Do you think that's something that just people have naturally or do you think that's something that people learn? The funniness 
Yeah. Some people that naturally have funny bones. I, I think people are naturally funny, like a Tommy Cooper type comedian. You know, he comes on stage and people start laughing before they open their mouth. But also, you know, I know you have an acting background yourself. I think it can be learned. A stage presence can be learned and you can create a character almost who is your stand-up comedy persona. And there's also just phenomenally powerful writing. And I think if you've got really good writing, if you've got really good jokes, then your stage presence and your whole act will come. There can be some jokes that you're not sure whether they're going to work or not, but other ones that come to your mind, you're like, oh, that's gold. That's immediate gold. And you do it and it works. And it'll work for five or six years till you become incredibly tired of it. And the audience can almost sense how tired you are of the joke. And you can't do it anymore with the same gusto and enthusiasm. And still, it's the only art form where you get immediate feedback as to whether you're any good or not. The audience either laugh or they don't. You can be a, a musician and play your guitar and people will always clap politely at the end, you know, unless you get booed off and you're really terrible. But in general, it's people are quite supportive. For a stand-up comedy, you stand on stage and they either laugh or they don't. And that's that's it. You know, and that's the beauty of it, I think. I'm doing a night in Haddington on February the 3rd at the Waterside, which is a gorgeous pub by the river. And you can get tickets from the pub or on brownpapertickets.com. And I'm also doing the Porty Comedy Night, which is on February the 4th at the Beach Lane Social Club. And you can get tickets from Cove at 250 Portobello High Street or from brownpapertickets.com as well. If you just search for the Portobello Comedy Night and we've got a Facebook page for it as well. Beachline Social Club have been great because when I first started, I was looking for a venue because the Dalriada obviously closed down, looking for a venue. And at that point of me trying to find a venue, nobody else was taking bookings at all. So we've kind of ended up there by default, but the staff are super friendly and really helpful. And the room's big and there's room for social distancing. It's table seating. It's got a lovely stage and cheap booze as well. It's got prices that are like from the, the late 80s, early 90s. So... Even if you don't laugh at anything, you'll get some cheap booze. Although, wait, sober people do laugh as well. I must add that in. They do laugh yeah. as well. <laughs> I still meet people who've never been to a live comedy gig. Just come along and give it a try. I'm going to come. Good. Right. <laughs> See if we can get a babysitter. The comedian who's headlining, Mark Nelson, who's headlining on February the 4th, he's quite controversial. He did the YouTube videos with his daughter. They've got like two or three million hits on YouTube or something. And the news at three with his daughter. So he'd do little sketches with his daughter talking about the news of the day. It was very, very funny. And he's on the good, the bad and the unexpected. He's the host of the BBC radio programme. So he does that as well. So he does quite mainstream stuff as well as his uh, slightly controversial on stage stuff. It's good that people know that he might be a bit on the edge. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the Comedy Night website where you can find all the information about shows and tickets. Now, it takes a lot to keep a gig like this going throughout the challenges that we've seen. And let's face it, we could all do with a good laugh. So why not get along and show some support?